0: Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We're so thankful that you're taking some time today to listen. We pray that this week's message challenges you to press in deeper with your pursuit of Christ. Our mission at Vision Church is to go and make disciples. You can help us in this mission by rating this podcast and sharing it with the world via social media. We want to reach the lost by raising up the found. Thank you again for tuning in today and enjoy the message.
1: My name is Tyson. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not Tyson. I'm not Tyson. I'm not Tyson. I'm a little taller than him. But um, no, I'm not Tyson. My name is uh, MJ Maldonado and I have the honor and privilege of uh, ministering the word today. Uh, If you missed last week, um, Pastor Tyson had a baby boy named Luca and he is at home right now, sleep deprived, where he should be with his wife taking care of his baby. Uh, And so, you got me today. So, yeah. But as an ex-gen pastor, I get to pastor two ministries here at our church, and that is our youth ministry and our young adult ministry. Uh, and our young adult ministry has this really amazing ministry called Gather Anybody ever been to a Gather Round in here? Got some young adults in here. And Gatheron is incredible. For those of you that don't know what it is, it's a worship service for young adults. And we literally just break all the rules in worship. Like we take all the seats out of the sanctuary. We have worship in the middle and we gather around it. Hence the name Gather uh, We have a worship service. And then we have a word. And there's always a practical application to that word because we believe that the word of God exists for transformation. But that only happens through application. And so this last gatheron was my favorite Gather around. We applied the word. And we were talking about prayer. what we did at this last gather round is we wrote down prayers and words of prophecy and words of encouragement on the foundation of our new church building where we met. Literally where the sanctuary is in that new church building. Declaring that prayer is going to be foundational in our lives, in our ministry, and in our church. And we have an image of that. That's what it looked like. It was Beautiful absolutely beautiful we wrote it on the walls and the floors everywhere and the other thing that we're praying and believing is that before we even have a sunday service in there that construction workers will walk in there they'll read the words of encouragement the prayers on the walls the words of prophecy and they will say surely god was here before me that was for me and they will repent of their sin and give their lives to jesus before a sunday service ever meets in there It was an incredible night. I literally saw people walk out of addiction. People were healed that night. It was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like nothing I've ever seen in my entire life before. It was absolutely incredible. And what I told our young adults in that moment, exactly what I'm about to tell you right now, and that's that some of you guys are experiencing a drought. And maybe you're here today and you're like, MJ, I'm just here because I know I'm supposed to come to church. But in reality, I haven't heard the voice of God in my life in forever. It's been years. And maybe you're in here saying, I'm just going through the motions today, but, but I'm in a spiritual drought today. Maybe you're here today and you're in a financial drought. As one of my students would say, the math isn't mathing. You're, you have these bills and, you're, and they're adding up and you don't have enough money for them and you don't know exactly what's going to happen. You don't know how God's going to do it, but you're in a drought today. Maybe you're in a relational drought. Maybe your marriage is in a drought. Maybe you say, MJ, when I first got married, it was all good, man. We were on a honeymoon. It was awesome. But, man, we really need a victory. We're on the brink of divorce, and we're in a drought. We need a victory from God. Maybe you're in a drought today. But I have bad news and good news for you. Everybody say, bad news. The bad news is, I don't know what caused your drought. I wish I was prophetic like that. I wish I could just like walk through everybody and just be like smacking heads, being like, "Oh, this is what you need to do. This is what happened." But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I wish I could. But the bad news is, I don't know what caused your drought. And while I don't know what caused the drought that you're experiencing right now, what I do know, everybody say good news. The good news is, is I know the rainmaker. I said, I know the rainmaker. And that is the title of my message today, Rainmaker. And through God's holy inspired word and no wisdom of my own, I will show you that our God is indeed a rainmaker in your drought. And so I'm going to read from 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to read the whole chapter. Somebody say the whole chapter. We're going to read the whole chapter. And if you're new to Vision Church, you're probably asking yourself like, why do you guys always do this? You guys always read the entire chapter. If you were here last week, we ended our series on Hebrews. It was a chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study on that. Did you guys enjoy that? Our pastor, uh, Brett, did a great job of closing us out in that. But the reason that we do that is because we believe here at Vision Church that a pastor really has nothing to do besides read the Word of God. That's it. That's our only job. That's our only role. I ask people all the time when they're new to our church. I'm like, how did you choose Vision church? Like, there's 1.5 million churches, like, on this block. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many churches in Charlotte. Like, how did you how'd you choose us? Why'd you choose us? And they say, MJ, I just love that you guys read the Word of God. And I'm always astonished. I'm like, well, what was your last church doing? And I'm not here to point fingers at anybody or say we're better than anybody else. No, quite the opposite. See, because I will fail you 10 out of 10 times. Every leader here will fail you. Every person in this room, everybody on earth will fail you. But church, the word of God never fails. And so we're going to let that be our source this morning, the Holy Scriptures. First Kings chapter 18. If you need help finding that, it's right before 2 Kings. The dad joke right there for you. I'm a dad now, I can get away with those jokes. 1 Kings 18. And in 1 Kings 18, we see that Ahab is the king of Israel. And like his predecessors, he has left God, right? He has started worshiping false gods. And even worse, he married Jezebel. Everybody say Jezebel. It's disgusting. Jezebel. He marries Jezebel and she literally hates God's people. She literally wants to kill them. She's terrible. And so he is far from God. And through the prophet Elijah, God tells Ahab that he's going to send a drought. And so the story picks up in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. Let's start this journey together. 1 Kings 18. Later on, in the the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. So there was a drought and there was also a famine in the area. So Ahab summoned Obadiah. Everybody say Obadiah who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a devoted follower of the Lord. Once when Jezebel had tried to kill all the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had given a hundred of them, uh, had hidden a hundred of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. Ahab said to Obadiah, we must check every spring in the valley and in the land and see if we can find enough grass to save at least some of my horses and mules. So he divided the land between them. Ahab went one way by himself. And Obadiah went another way by himself. And so I want to extract from that scripture right away to start you guys off. And I want to teach you the first lesson about how to deal with droughts in your life. And the first point I want to make is don't, dra- don't doubt in your drought. Somebody say don't doubt. Don't doubt in your drought. Look at Obadiah. Right? It says that they were, there was a famine and a drought meaning a scarcity of food and water. The Bible says that he fed a hundred people, not not a small family, not one or two of his friends, a hundred people in two different locations. Everybody say, don't don't doubt. He did it. Why? Because of this. Listen, I hear this all the time. People say stuff like this, like, MJ, I- I'm experiencing a drought in my life right now. I'm going through a difficult season. Things aren't going the way that I hoped that they would go. Things don't look like the way I wanted them to look like. I'm, I'm, I'm in a drought right now, so I feel like I just have to just pull away from the church. I feel like I just have to pull away from, from serving. Church, why is our response in difficult seasons to make things drier? Really, our response should be to press in more. Listen, church, if you want there to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you want holy rain in your life like a flood, don't doubt in the drought. Be an obedient Obadiah and pour it out. Everybody say, pour it out. out. The second thing I want to pull from the scripture is this point don't let the drought become your climate. Don't let the drought become your climate see the difference it's to put it simply between a drought and a climate is that a drought is something that is temporary while a climate is used to describe the weather of a region in its permanence a drought is temporary a climate is permanent see King Ahad during the drought just decided to just go about business as usual he said this is our new norm this is our new climate I'm just going to go about Serving those other gods and worshiping false gods and Ahab and his people just continue to go about business as usual. They didn't see it as divine punishment and instead of going back to their God, which is where they should have gone, they just made it their climate. They continue to do what they were doing that brought on the drought. But this is the wrong way to go about a drought. Really what they should have done is gone back to their God. And in Genesis 26:17, we see Isaac dealing with a drought In the the way that you should. In the exact way that we should. So Genesis 26, 17. In this passage, we see that uh, Isaac is living in this region called Gerar. And he's living amongst enemy people. He's living amongst Philistines. And while he's living there, um, the Bible says that God blesses him. And the Philistines become jealous. So they kick him out. They boot him out. And not only that, but they plugged up all of the wells that he had dug up and that his father Abraham had dug up. So he literally had no water. He was quite literally in a drought. Somebody say he's in a drought. The story picks up in Genesis 26, 17. This is how we should deal with our droughts. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley where he set up the tents and settled down. He reopened. Somebody say he reopened. The wells his father had dug which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given to them. Isaac's servant also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. They said, this is our water. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Esek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it. So, Isaac named it Siknach, which means hostility. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that just sounds more hostile. Siknach means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved and dug and moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it. So, Isaac named that place Rehoboth. And I want everyone to say this word with me Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, At last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. the next point I have for you is very simple. Don't reinvent the well. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't reinvent the well. What did Isaac do during his drought? He went back and met God at the same places that God had met his family before to the exact same wells in the exact same region. I came to tell you today that God is going to meet you in your drought in the same places that he met you before. You just have to go back. I know this is not popular and it's not trending on Twitter, but fasting still works. Amen. Prayer still works. Going back and reading the gospels still works, especially that part when Jesus dies for your sin. Why? Because I know you met it, you read it a million times before, but the blood of Jesus still works coming back and praying at an altar where you got saved that many years ago still works. God is going to meet you in the same places he met you before. Why? Because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is water in old wells and if nothing happens the first time, Keep trying, keep digging. If nothing happens the second time, keep trying, keep digging. God is going to meet you in those same places. And it could just be that he brought about the drought so that you can go back to the foundations of your faith. Back to a time when you would turn off your phone. When's the last time we've done that, right? And just pray and be still. Back to a time when you would read your Bible every single day and just be in his presence. It could be that the drought is there to bring you back to your foundation. I then want to read uh, 1 Kings 18, This is one of my favorite parts of the scripture, one of my favorite stories, because God shows out in this passage. It's Elijah meets Ahab at the contest of Mount Carmel. And the contest of Mount Carmel um, is this. God, God told Elijah to summon all the prophets of Baal, right, all those false prophets. He said, we're going to have a little contest. He says, You're gonna put a bull on some wood and you're gonna ask your God to light it on fire. Then Elijah's gonna put a bull on some wood and he's gonna ask his God to light it on fire. And whoever God is the true God will obviously light it on fire. So they had a contest. The Bible says, says this that, that the prophets of Baal were, were doing all these weird things to try to get the, their God to light uh, their offering on fire. Like, they were like yelling and screaming. And the word of God says this, this is really interesting. It says that they would begin to to cut themselves and bleed in order to try to convince their God to, to light their offering. On fire, And as I was meditating in the scripture and as I was preparing for this message, the Lord gave me a prophetic vision of someone in this place who has been self-harming, who has been cutting themselves in order to get themselves out of the drought. And I came to tell you today, whoever you are, that there is a better way. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you would just press in a little bit more, I'll introduce you to him this morning. The contest at Mount Carmel, 1 Kings 18.33 says, Elijah piled wood on the altar. He cut the bull into pieces. So now they failed and Elijah is saying, it's my turn. It's my go now. And he laid the pieces on the wood. He said, fill four jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do it again. Somebody say, do it again. Amen. And when they were finished, he said, "Now do it a third time. Somebody say, do it again. Amen. Well, now wait a minute. Their offering didn't have water poured on their wood they didn't have that challenge why is Elijah saying it to do it for this offering why does our God have to do that what Elijah is showing us is that our God has no rival that our God has no equal and that there is none greater amen church so they did as he said and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench at the usual time for offering that evening sacrifice Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed somebody say he prayed O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground. And they cried out, Lord, the Lord, he is good. Yes, the Lord is God. They began to worship the one true God. I love that story. See, if I was a a fancy preacher, I would preach it like this. I would say, Elijah made it rain fire down from heaven so you can too. That's how I heard it when I was a kid. Like I used to think that Elijah would like make it rain like fireballs. Like he'd just be like fireball, fireball. And that's like he had like special powers. Like he got like bit by a, a, a spider or something like that. Like, I I used to think that, right? But Elijah didn't make it rain fire. In fact, Elijah didn't do anything. He was an ordinary man like you and me. He wasn't extraordinary. He was extra regular, right? Elijah was a regular man just like you and me. In fact, if there's anything extraordinary about his life, it was just his prayer life. Don't believe me? James 5.17, Elijah was a human being just as we are. Has anyone ever heard of Billy Graham in this place? Nobody? Oh, man. Okay. No. (laughs) Billy Graham said it this way. He said that the greatest weapon a Christian has is prayer. And he was exactly right. That's why the Bible tells us to do stuff like pray without ceasing because it's showing us that we need prayer in our life. Philippians 4.13, what does it say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is what all the so I know a lot of people have this on on their social media and then they put it on their on their Instagram profile. This is how all of our young adult boys know if a girl's a Christian. All right, she's got four Philippians 4.13. All right, she's a believer. I can go after her. That's their, that's their mark right there. And listen, if that's you, I'm not making fun of you, maybe a little bit, but keep it there. It's good. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But what irks me and what really kind of kind of annoys me a little bit, if I'm being honest, is when people abbreviate it. And instead of saying, I can do all things through Christ, they put, I can do all things. I'm just like, girl, no, you can't. No, you can't. You can do very little without Christ. It is only through Christ who strengthens you that you can do anything. In church, we have to acknowledge that we're nothing without Jesus. Can I get in your personal bubble a little bit? Can I get in your face? And I'm preaching this to myself because I do this all the time. But stop trying to manufacture your own miracle. Stop trying to manufacture your own miracle church. We need to recognize that we are nothing without Jesus, that we are powerless to the things of this world, the dark powers of this world without Jesus Christ in our lives. Listen, you can't be a healthy Christian and not have a healthy prayer life. Prayer needs to be foundational in your life. Those things don't add up. You have to have both of them at the same time. You can't be a healthy Christian without a healthy prayer life. See, I believe we're going to see miracles exactly like the ones that Elijah saw when we make prayer a priority in our life, a lifestyle, and not an inconvenience. Prayer needs to be a lifestyle. The second thing I want to pull from the scripture is that God is more concerned with reconciliation than your temporary discomfort. God is more concerned with reconciliation than your temporary discomfort. I hear people say this all the time. They come up to me and say, "Hey, say, MJ, can you pray for me? I'm like, absolutely. I'd love to pray for you. How can I pray for you? They say, just just pray about my job. I'm like, okay, well, what's going on with your job? They're like, I hate it. I'm just like, okay, well, tell me why you hate your job. And they always go through different reasons, a myriad of different reasons of why uh, they hate their job. This manager shouldn't be there. They passed up on them for a promotion and all these other things. But no matter what they say, I always answer with this. Why do you believe God has placed you there? Why do you believe God has placed you there? What if we were intercessors instead of complainers? What if instead of complaining and being that person in your workplace that's always complaining about every single customer, what if you just went up to Bill? We all have a Bill, right? Said, Bill, man, you came in a little grouchy today. Man, is there anything I can pray for you for? I wonder what would happen if we were intercessors instead of complainers. If God placed you there, it's likely for a reason. Embrace it and be a light where you're planted. Listen, I have a fifth grader in our youth ministry. And technically, he's not even supposed to be in our youth ministry because it starts at sixth grade. But this kid is so anointed that we gave him a fake ID, a sixth grade ID, and we're like, bro, you can be in our ministry. He literally ministers to the seniors in high school that we have, he ministers to our leaders. He is that anointed. And he tells me all the time, he says, MJ, man, I always get made fun of now at school because I tell people I'm a Christian. He said, I feel like I don't really have any friends anymore because when I tell people I'm a Christian, they they don't want to talk to me anymore. And the friends I did have, I can't hang out with them anymore because they're bullies and I know God hasn't called me to be that. He's in a pretty rough situation. Fifth grade is a tough time. But that little boy is getting ready to start a Bible study in his elementary school because he understands and he's acknowledging that even though his season might suck right now, and even though things might look a little bleak right now, and though he might be in a drought right now, he knows that there's people in his elementary school that need to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And though his situation might stink a little bit, he's stepping into his calling and saying, God, I'm going to use me where you've planted me. Man, what would this world look like if we had the faith of a fifth grader in here? So things are dry at work. Maybe it's time for a change. But why not let the Holy Spirit use you where you're planted? What did the Bible say? It said it was a drought, right? Elijah poured out water in the drought. I'm sure he wanted to drink that. I'm sure he wanted to fry up that bull and eat it. But God made him pour it out. And instead of bringing down rain, which would have been an amazing miracle, he brings down fire. Why? Because God is more concerned with people knowing him than your temporary condition of discomfort. And ministry right now for our our entire next gen ministry is incredible. The only word I can use to describe what God is doing through Vision Next Gen is revival, because it really is. People are getting healed. Every single time we have an event, it's incredible. But it didn't always look like that. In fact, when I first started in ministry here in Charlotte, things looked very different. I was excited to come down here. I feel like God was calling me to do something big here in Charlotte to work with young people. And and when I got down here, I thought God was going to give me the keys to like the biggest ministry ever. And a thousand people were going to get saved. I thought it was going to be amazing. That's not what happened. See, I drove down here with only a few months worth of savings. And those few months were up. Things were looking bad. And I remember one time I, I didn't have enough really money for gas. So I drove to a gas station far away from where I live, so I didn't run into anybody that I knew because I had to pay for gas in change that I found in my car. Back when you can buy some gas with change. <laughs> Man, I began to blame God. I said, God, why, why am I even here? There's no ministry, there's no money. My sermons are terrible. What am I even doing here? God, why why am I here? I remember saying to God, I said, God, I think you made a mistake. I'm not supposed to be here. Then God spoke to me very clearly. He said, I don't make mistakes. He said, you want a ministry, look around you. We lived in a pretty rough neighborhood. And the house that I lived in was pretty dilapidated and broken down. And we had roaches in that place, but not like any regular roaches. Like our roaches that we had in that house were built different. Like they were different roaches. Like I remember I was watching like Netflix on my phone and I read that roaches are supposed to be afraid of people, right? But I'm watching Netflix on my phone and a roach just falls from the ceiling pff, onto my pillow. And I swear, he looked right at me and said, what are we watching? You know, like our roaches were built different. These roaches were scary. So I'm looking around. I'm like, surely God's not talking about these roaches. <laughs> let me get outside. So I go outside and I see that there are kids in the neighborhood and they're living in those same houses, going through difficult situations, going through difficult circumstances. And God said, those people, those are the people that I want you to reach. And I was a complainer. I was, and I fought God hard on that. But about the time I stopped complaining, God began to grow a ministry. We started something called Longboard Outreach, as some of you guys know, and we literally just took kids skateboarding, and then we had a Bible study, and it was humble, but it was beautiful, and sure enough, God gave me a job that was gainful, and I had money, and I got to move into some place that was much nicer than that neighborhood, but about the same time that I stopped complaining, I met a little boy named Julius, and Julius was the bravest kid in that neighborhood. Like, Julius was the smallest kid. He was probably like two foot four, but he was by far the bravest. Like, I remember one time I was teaching the kids how to, how to skateboard, and they're all wobbly and scared. And Julius comes from the top of the hill, face first on a longboard, just zooming right by us. Like, he was fearless. Julius loved to play basketball. And on Saturday mornings, I would play with him. And this one Saturday, I slept in a little bit. And um, I opened my eyes, and I see Julius was right there. He's like, You wanna go play basketball? I was like, Whoa, bro. He was brave. He was fearless. Um, But then I moved and I had the difficult task of telling Julius that I was going to leave. And so I sat Julius down on my stoop where we would talk all the time and we had a conversation. And that's a picture of Julius right there. That's me and him talking. And I apologize if I get a little emotional. I've been trying to preach this without getting emotional, but I love that little boy and I miss him so much. And I pray that God will allow me to see him on this side of eternity. But I'm sitting there with Julius, and my friend snaps this picture. And I said, Julius, I, 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 I'm sorry to say this, bro, but I, I, I'm leaving. And uh, he became overwhelmed with sadness. And I said, I said Julius, don't be sad. And I said, Julius, do, do you know something? I said, Julius, do you know that Jesus loves you? And for the next 30 minutes, I began to tell Julius about what Jesus had done in my life. And I led Julius into a relationship with Jesus Christ in that moment. Listen, I know droughts stink. I know rough seasons, they're tough. I know that. But I wonder if we are more concerned with people knowing Jesus than being comfortable. I wonder how many Julius stories we would have in this church. I want to finish this out, 1 Kings 18.41. We're going to finish out the marathon here today. You guys ready? 1 Kings 18.41. So obviously Elijah had won the contest and now he's talking to Ahab. He goes to Ahab and says, then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Again, he's saying, it's not me. He's literally in the fetal position. He's saying, I'm I'm not going to do anything. God, you're going to make it rain. Then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went on and looked and returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times, somebody say seven times. Elijah told him to go back and look. And finally the seventh time, somebody say seven time, His servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab, tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you, and soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific storm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. And the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. So God gave uh, Elijah special strength to run faster than a horse in that moment. See, today I'm believing that today will be somebody's seventh time. See, I believe there's people in this place that have tried everything besides Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you've, you've, you've tried to, to, to fill your void with, with drugs or with addictions, pornography, whatever it is. You've tried everything else besides God and it's left you in a worse condition, even thirstier. Maybe you've tried prayer. You said, MJ, I prayed the other day when I got Chick-fil-A and nothing happened. I prayed over my Chick-fil-A. Keep praying because I believe that tonight, oh, sorry, this morning, I usually preach at night, I'm sorry, but this morning will be somebody's seventh time. And so I want to pray in church today. Can we pray in church? Because this is what the Bible says. It says, James, in James five thirteen. it says, are any of you suffering hardships pray. Are you happy? Sing praises. Are you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. It says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces Wonderful results. See, the drought had killed people's crops. It killed people's cattle. It killed family members. It killed everything that they had. It robbed them possibly of everything they've ever owned. But the Bible says that when Elijah prayed, it not only rained, but it restored. It restored everything that the drought had taken away from them. And I'm believing that today will be somebody's seventh time. And through prayer and the Holy Spirit, God is going to restore everything that was taken away from you in the drought. Do you believe it today, church? And so can we just do what the Bible says? Literally, it says, it says have people pray over you. Confess your sins to them. Can we do that today? And so what I've done at the end of this service is I've left Rehoboth. If you guys remember, that word means space. And I'm creating space right now for God to do what only he can do. And in the moment, the altars are going to be open. We're going to have prayer leaders here. Elders will be here. If you're an elder, please come to the front of the church and pray over people. And if you need prayer, they're going to do exactly that, exactly what the Bible says to you. Have people pray over you. If you need healing, come up and receive prayer. If you have a sin you need to confess, come up. If you're in a drought, come up. I believe God is going to restore people today. Amen? So I want to talk to two people today. The first person I want to talk to is a person that's never tried Jesus. You've tried everything else in this world. You've tried every drug there is sexual permiscuity, you tried everything else to fill your life with and it only got worse but you never tried Jesus. You know, I'm reminded of a story in the Bible of the woman with the issue of blood and said that she had tried everything, every doctor, maybe witchcraft, horoscopes, crystals, she tried everything because she had been bleeding for so many years. But the Bible says that when Jesus Christ showed up, she humbled herself, walked through the dirt, through a crowd, and grabbed onto the hem of his garment. And the Bible says that in that moment, she was healed. I believe that's going to happen to you today. And if that's you, and you came here searching for a word of God, here it is. This is for you. Press in. John seven thirty eight. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from this heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. Our God is a source of living water. He's an endless well. And anyone who drinks from that well, the Bible says, will never thirst again.
0: Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, click that subscribe button, share this podcast on social, or even take a screenshot from your story and tag us. We'd love to hear how the Lord is using this podcast to bless your life. You can send an email to info at visionchurch.com or you can DM us on social with a story of how God is moving in your world. Also, we'd like to thank those who invest in our ministry financially. It's because of your sacrifice that we are able to publish this every week. If you'd like to join in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in the description or visit visionchurch.com and click the Give tab. Thanks again for listening. God bless.